Welcome back to the My Online Schooling podcast, the place where we talk to staff, pupils and parents to find out more about life at the online school. In this episode, we're back talking with the teacher, Nicola Walker. Nicola and I discuss various things, such as the challenges of mainstream education for My Online Schooling pupils and, as such, why the school became a more desirable option. We discuss the social stories group, what it is and how it has hugely benefited the pupils, and we talk about the undeniable importance of making learning fun in the classroom. But we also find out about Nicola's own school days and her talents in the field of music. So come with me now while we speak to Nicola Walker. Nicola, welcome to this episode of the podcast. Thank you for being here. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. I'm just, uh, it's quite peaceful in here now, <laughs> away from the family, having just <laughs> rushed tea and had a food delivery and sorted the dog and been teaching today and school runs and uh, yeah, so it's been a busy day, but um, I'm fine, thank you. <laughs> Excellent. And tell me a little bit more about what you've been teaching today then. Um, so I had um, two English classes this morning. Uh, two English classes this morning. Um, I teach reading, writing, and dyslexia courses to small groups of children with um, sort of needs needing more additional support with their reading and writing. And then this afternoon I taught a social stories class uh, to a key stage three group. Um, so we were we were actually discussing um, resources that they found helped them. Uh, most of the group have got autism um, or social communication needs and they were sharing resources that have helped them as, as they've been growing up and family mm. life and school life so it was a good session this afternoon. And you called those social stories, what, what's the difference between social stories and regular stories? Um, so social stories are, um, that's the name of the class but we use social stories when we're working with children uh, with autism, oh. uh, it, they're, they're good um, resources to use uh, to try and explain different social situations to, to, to students and pupils so um, sometimes we use those as part of the class to explain scenarios or situations that they might be finding tricky. Okay, right, understood. Um, but the classes themselves, we do lots of social skills in there. Lots of the children have anxiety or, you know, and a really sort of low confidence. So it's a lot of talking, chatting, game playing. We did show and tell last week, so they brought things along that they wanted to share with the group. So um, it's, a, it's a lovely mm. group. Mm. And, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it sounds it. it sounds yeah. it. Um, okay, so Nicola, can you just tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into the wonderful world of teaching, and then how you got into the world of teaching online? Sure. So I um, I qualified as a primary school mm -hmm. teacher and started working down mm -hmm. in London, and then we moved to uh, North Manchester, and I continued working in a primary school, but um, my very first class I taught in, I taught a little boy with mm -hmm. autism and really, really enjoyed mm -hmm. working with him and knew that that's what I wanted to work um, in, in the field mm. of special needs. So I got a job at a local uh, special needs school, a secondary special needs school, and worked there for a number of years and did a postgraduate qualification in autism um, while I was there. Okay. And when you say local, do you mean local in London or local to where you are now? It was local in, it was in Oldham actually. Okay. Yep, near Saddleworth. And then I had some time off to have a family and mm -hmm. um, so I've got four children and uh, one of my children has got a diagnosis of autism so it, wow. <laughs> um, it was it was very different than being a parent of a child with autism to, to a teacher 
it through its own challenges along the way. Uh, and then I got a job working for the local authority in North Yorkshire because we'd moved again by then um, doing advisory work for a number of years. Okay. I then did some advisory work with children with social and emotional needs. Okay. So going into lots of different schools and supporting schools and pupils. But I needed a job then that uh, worked a little bit more around the family and, and my daughter who was struggling herself in school. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw this job at my online schooling and it just looked perfect. Yeah. Um, and so I began here in September and then uh, deregistered my own daughter from school in October because she, her experience of mainstream just wasn't working for her right. um, at secondary level. And so I homeschool her. Um, as well as working online um, with my online schooling. Right. So that's how I'm here. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> and when you first heard about the concept of online learning, mm. what was your initial thought about it? I'd never really heard about it in, in a lot of detail. I never really sort of knew how it, how it would work. Or, um, so I was really interested in how it would work. And when, mm. when I sort of first started, I just couldn't get my head around how it how it would work in a classroom but it's it's far beyond how I imagined it would be and I was worried that perhaps you wouldn't form the relationships with the students as much because you weren't in the classroom sort of face to face with them but but you do and um it's it's you you just form the relationships in a different way but um it's it's all about learning about the children and developing a lot of trust really because a lot of the children I work with with my online schooling have had tricky experiences in mainstream schools and so it's sort of breaking down those barriers really and making learning as fun as you can for them and hoping that they sort of can enjoy the learning in a, in a, in a different way and the approaches mm. that online mm. learning can can offer them mm. so yeah it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's a very different teaching experience and it took a little bit of time to <laughs> to get my head around and um and I'm not the most technical person but um I keep it basic <laughs> and it works yeah and, and I guess a lot of the tech is kind of taking care for you as well yes it is it is I mean you can use a huge amount of teaching tools while, while you're teaching as well but um because I'm working with children with a lot of additional needs as well sometimes having flashing screens and things where they use group work and it, it it's not what they need anyway they they need mm. it nice and calm and um, not too much mm. going on mm. so yeah. so that's what I do <laughs> so tell me a little bit then about what you saw as being the main challenges that pupils would experience in mainstream environments I saw a lot of students who were um were struggling in in mainstream schools it was either because the school didn't have the resources or the the staff didn't have the, the time or the the experiences to be able to cope with the needs of the children. Additionally, um, there were some children without a diagnosis and they were being seen as sort of naughty children or their behaviour mm. um, was being sort of judged when really there was a lot of undiagnosed need or sort of a lack of understanding of, of why they were struggling. So a lot of children sort of either not attending school or spending a lot of time outside of the main classroom because they were disruptive mm-hmm. and it it was just becoming more and more prevalent and particularly lots of girls who were really really struggling particularly at secondary school and the upper primary school where it was mm. a lot of anxiety and a lot of um sort of they were doing a lot of masking 
really struggling day to day, but in still looking like they managed, but then going home and having complete meltdowns because the experience was, they were holding it all together oh, in school and looking like everything mm. was fine. But um, really, they were they were really struggling uh, behind the scenes. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. So, and it seemed to be increasing. Um, and also, particularly where we are, where I live now, um, a lack of sort of support for a particular group of, of students who perhaps didn't fit into the mainstream model, but also mm. um, the special schools. There weren't enough spaces for them in school. There weren't enough placements. And some students just didn't fit into a mainstream, but also a special needs school wasn't particularly the right place either. Mm. It was almost like a lack of provision in um in in the mainstream in that schools. middle ground yeah yes yeah and then the support that schools are getting the SDM budget particularly in where we live uh, it was being cut and cut and cut and the the students were the ones that were just suffering at the end of the day and um, and the staff just not getting the support that they needed from from the experts in in the local authority mm. um, and that just as over the years it just seems to have got harder and harder for the support and uh, um, the support for the children. Mm. So tell me the, a little bit then about how those same children, once they switch across to my online schooling, about how they benefit from the whole concept of online learning themselves. I think being in their home environment really helps them um, mm. because they are more relaxed. They, you know, they've got the home comforts around them. Sometimes they come along with a dog. M- many times you see the dog in in the background or mm. the cat. You know, uh, so they they can they can they've already relaxed and. Um, their anxiety because they're not going into that mainstream huge building busy corridors it's already at a, at a better level yeah they can catch up with the recordings as well so if coming to an online a live class isn't quite right for them at the moment all those sessions are recorded so they can catch up with them at a later date mm. and then submit any work that needs doing so there's lots of sort of flexibility they don't have to have their cameras on so if they are feeling really anxious you might just get a child I've got a couple of students who just communicate via the chat box and it's on zoom so they can't use their microphone they can't you know turn their camera on but they you're sort of getting getting through um through the chat box with them but I have found I've got a handful of students who in September couldn't engage in the lesson at all in the classes they'd I knew they were there, mm. but they weren't engaging. But now they'll flick the camera on. They'll they'll share with information through the chat box, and slowly mm. <laughs> they become more and more engaged. It takes time. Um, you've got a lot of of children who've been through a lot of stress and trauma for, for some of them at school, just going in, and so you you know there's a lot of memories for them, mm. and you associate school with those memories. Mm. So a lot of the work I do is sort of trying to remove those those memories and and make learning fun and engaging and um, as much as I can with them. So tell me then what you enjoy most of all about teaching with my online schooling. I think I've got a unique um, job really Mm. within my online schooling within the within the learning hub because particularly the social stories group you wouldn't really necessarily get a chance to teach a particular sort of class in a, in a mainstream school there's so many other things going on mm. um, so just having that opportunity to work with those children who have found communication really difficult mm-hmm. who of course they're at home and they might not have brothers and sisters and lots of siblings to engage so it's their time to engage and 
and to develop those sort of social skills. So it's a, a unique, and I'm very lucky to have the opportunity to be able to work with these students. Mm. And and looking in the the reading and writing classes that I run, it's you know looking at um, the support that each child needs and thinking right, how can we, what does this child need? What what can we build on? And sometimes it's going back. You know, what what do they miss maybe at primary school? What gaps are missing? And just being able to fill those gaps for them mm. and hoping again to, to make learning fun and um and getting the enjoyment back for the back for the children so that's that's what i really enjoy and you do build lovely relationships with them even though it's through a screen sometimes i wish i could give them the resources and have practical resources with me and things but you you work around it and uh find ways of doing it which you wouldn't have thought of if you were in in the classroom mm. so uh mm. so, yeah yeah <laughs> Now, one of the things you just said was about making learning fun. How important do you think it is to make sure that learning is fun in the classroom? I think it's really important. I think if a child comes into the classroom and particularly if they've had bad experiences before, that, you know, their, their anxiety might be heightened and then you're sort of making it sort of, you know, a dull lesson where there's loads of reading to do and it, it's really challenging for them from the outset, they're not going to want to learn. You need to child needs to be in a in a relaxed happy calm position in order to to begin their learning and that's when you can make the progress and the, and the steps to help them develop their learning um mm. if they're feeling calm and relaxed and happy that's when the learning can take place mm. and mm. sometimes it takes a long time to to get to that point and mm. that's part of my role i think at the moment sort of breaking down those walls and then letting the learning letting the learning start yeah no, it sounds great it really does um nicola tell me what you were like as a student yourself when you were at school what were you like as a pupil ah oh, i was a worrier i just i had i i had to work at every single thing i ever achieved um not one of these people i couldn't read a book and remember what i'd read and um so i just had to work really really hard all the time and um yeah, just to, whereas my sister could pick up a book and, uh, you know, remember it and sit in the exam having done no work and then, um, you know, still get to say all oh, better marks than I did. Mm. But yeah, I, I would worry, but I worked really hard. I uh, I was in a band at, at secondary school. I played the flute in a swing band, so I spent a lot of time rehearsing and uh, doing little concerts around the Cotswolds where, we, where I grew up. And um Yes, um, in t- in uh, town, in market towns and things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I I enjoyed school. My primary years were spent. My dad was in the army, so I travelled. Um, so I went to school, um, started school in the south of England, and then in Germany and Hong Kong, and eventually down in Warwickshire where I grew up. So yeah, it was a mixed primary experience. Mm. Lots of military schools I went to, and then uh, yeah, but it was it was an enjoyable experience. Mm. It's um, but I uh, yeah I was a worrier and um, yeah I had to work really hard, but um, I did enjoy school. I did. Yeah. How did it feel having a sister who seemingly seemingly just flew through everything without doing <laughs> <Yeah>. much work? <laughs> Very frustrating, and I think I was the elder one as well, so it was always you know I tried really hard, and then but. As you grow up, you you learn that everyone has different skills, and you know you find your place, don't you? But mm. um, I think as a as a, a twelve, thirteen year old, I, I did find it quite frustrating. Mm, I'm and sure. That yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah <laughs> that competition was there. But um, but no, she's over in Australia now. So uh, yes, um, haven't seen her for a long time, and uh, I think it might be a while before I do as well. But mm. Uh, mm. with what's going on at the moment. 
but uh, but yeah. And you mentioned about playing the flute. Do you still play the flute? Oh, I wish I did. I, I do get it out occasionally. My son did start learning last year, so I was hopeful that he'd sort of carry on. Yeah. Um, I do keep thinking I really should get the flute out, but uh, I don't have a huge amount of spare time <laughs> at the moment. But, but one day, one day I will. One day I'll get it back out and dust okay. it off. So if you could play and master any instrument at all without having to put in 10,000 hours of practice, what would you choose? Uh, uh, it would be the saxophone. I've always wanted to play the saxophone and just love... Saxophone, love to, wow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I did toy with it for a little bit uh, when I was doing my A-level music and then discovered six months into the course that um, I couldn't do it and had to learn the piano in 18 months uh my a-level uh music so um that was yeah it was <laughs> so one day i'd love to be able to uh to start the saxophone properly and uh, learn it properly yeah yeah it sounds like maybe you should i mean you know maybe maybe, maybe. now's the right time maybe. for it absolutely absolutely yes and i'd love to be in a band again and uh, it was it was a great experience actually so uh yeah, one day. I will one day. <laughs> I've got a list of things to do one day. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned about the swing band. What was it like being part of that mm. band? Oh, it was great. Um, it was There was only a small group of us, but the rehearsals were on Tuesday lunchtime, and then we'd go, uh, we'd do evening concerts at school, and then at weekends we would do um, sort of charity events, and if there was a sort of village fate we'd go and play at the village fate and busking at christmas time and things so uh it's it's one of my fondest memories actually of school and um and having those experiences mm. so uh yeah i do i do yeah it was fun it was fun yeah oh it's great to hear about uh your, your musical interests there as well <laughs> Nicola, we need to bring this to a close in a minute, but for anyone who's heard anything and might want to follow up with any question that they might have, what's mm -hmm. the best way for them to get in touch with the school? There's the, uh, the general email address for, for the school, uh, and then they, the Online Learning Hub have their own um, email address contact too, and so the, either of those ways probably best to, to make the initial contact. Okay, that's great. Well, look, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being here and for opening up and sharing your own personal story. It's been great to hear about how you got into the world of teaching, how you got into online teaching. And thank you for sharing personal things with us as well. It's really good to hear. Thank you. Thank you very much. So that was Nicola Walker. Thank you, Nicola, for talking to us today. It was great you giving up your time for this. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you get future notifications. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.